as we come to the beginning of the year, there are a lot of things we need to consider in our lives, but there are some essential things we need to put together that will help us. So it's expensive and we have to really go. So for the next few minutes, just want to share with you some practical skills you have to pick up if you are going to really thrive with the Lord. And I want to give the reasons for the spiritual life, why it's important. You don't do spiritual life in your office. You don't do that, maybe something. But why do we have to be spiritual? Let's put it like this. You know that the modern living today is not primitive. Am I right? That's the modern living. The modern living we are living today, living in cities, going to school, working. These were not what we were as primitive people about a thousand years ago. Are you hearing me? What do I mean by that? They gave us basic of modern living. What's that? Reading, writing, arithmetic. Am I right? Let me say that one more time. The basic skills of living a modern life is that you can read, you can write, and you can count arithmetic. Without these three, you cannot be modern in your thinking. You know, today, I'm, I'm shocked to see people dress up and they are illiterate. They wear fine clothes. You think they are engineers or doctors? Or you think it's a corporate lady? But they just can't read. And, and they feel ashamed of it. I want people like that in modern life. And, and they usually are the brunt society. They don't cope. So they want their children to go to school by all means so that they can go beyond where they are. What is reading? Learning to read is important. It's a basic skill of life living this modern life. Our grandparents didn't live, didn't read. They were in the bush, chasing bushmeat and doing things on pottery. They couldn't read alphabet. They couldn't read books. Why? Someone said, reading makes a broad man. Reading makes a broad man. What about writing? Writing makes an exact man. See, if you don't learn how to write, now, phone has spoiled our lives. We don't write anymore. So, for me, the phone I bite is where I can write. My phone, I write there. I just don't type alone. I just don't, sorry, forgive me for knocking typing. But you see, you should learn to write. Those who do well in life write because they become exact. When you start writing, things get shaped up. You cannot get your thought crystallized without writing. So reading is important and writing. But today's life, they are making us primitive again. That's why there's this, this rise of nationalism around the world, the rise of brutalism, globalization has no meaning anymore because people are no longer reading and writing. Just type. Then there's arithmetic. We said reading will make you a broad person and writing will make you an exact person and counting or arithmetic will make you to count. And when you can count, you can control. If you can't count, you cannot control. Counting your blessings. Count it all joy. You can't count if you do arithmetic. Learn how to count. Count your blessings. Today, people don't do that anymore. They don't count their blessings. So they forget things. They forget God has taken them through. David counted the killing of the lion and the bear. And he said, the next one, I can take care of it. Reading, writing, arithmetic. That's the modern living. Let's talk about supernatural living. See, the modern living is not, it's not, it's not, it's not forever. We have to fight against being a beast. We have to fight against, I mean, look at it. Look at, being, look at this house. This is modern life. To build this house, tough. You can put blocks together, but it won't form a house. It takes a lot of knowledge and skill and writing and reading and counting to put this together. But without all that, we can't build a house. Let me say something. Please forgive me if I hurt you. When I was growing up, a lot of reading, I did a lot of reading and writing. In, my, in, in the 80s and 70s, people don't move into a house until it's completed. Even without being painted, they will wait. They will live in three-bedroom flat. They will stay there for years and then build something up. They can move in. It was in this recent time. People moved to a house without a window. Our quality of living then couldn't afford us to do that. But things have changed. Praise the Lord. All right. What about the spiritual life? What are the essential skills you need to thrive spiritually? 
Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 6. I want to give you a few things that will help us. What are the basic skills, like reading, writing, arithmetic, you must pick for spiritual living? Luke 6, verse 47. Whoever comes to me and hears my saying, and does them, I'll show you whom he is like. Next verse. It's like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Next verse. But he who had did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the rain of that house was great. Now, if you read this story, honestly, it's cheaper to build without foundation. Now, please listen. Your spiritual life is like that. You don't see the foundation, but the foundation holds the building. Are you hearing me? Tell your neighbor, your spiritual life holds your life. We sing one song. You are the pillar that holds my life. Praise the Lord. Now, that pillar is the spiritual part you connect. You use the word, in, my, in those days we use connection, now they use the word connect. Now, your connect with the Lord is your foundation. Now, what is foundation for? It's against the time to come. Let's see that one, First Timothy 6, verse 19. Storing for themselves a good foundation for what? Let's see what ESV, let's see what it says. As a good foundation for the future. Now, see, a foundation for the future, I saw this in my university days. I saw that my spiritual life won't show any impact until I'm challenged, until life comes at me. And can I say this to all of us over here? Life will come at you. I'm not not cursing you. Challenges, this world is full of challenges. Job said, let me not quote it, Job 14 verse 1. Man who is born of woman is of what? Few days and full of trouble. I'm going to say I'm born of a woman here. You face things. Few days and full of trouble. Now, how do you get yourself ready for those times is your spiritual life. Now, when everything is looking quite well, now you may not notice that. But your spiritual life is what that come against things when there is a financial flood, emotional flood, spiritual flood, physical flood. They come at you. Let's go back to Luke chapter 6, verse 49. But he who had did nothing like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the rain of that house was great. Everybody seated over here, one time or the other, you have gone through things or you are going through things or you still go through things. Now, how do you get yourself ready for that? You do that by developing a proper foundation. Like I told you about modern life, that's reading, writing, arithmetic. Now, for living to build a solid spiritual foundation, you need three skills too. How many skills? Three. Let's look at it. Verse 47. Whoever comes to me and hears my sins and does them, what do you think it will be like? Look at this verse. It's like a man building a house who dug where? Why? Because flood of life will come. So I asked myself, how do I get ready for flood? I was in my 20s that time. How do I, how can I stay safe? Things are going to come. That's sure. So he gave us what to do. Three things. Very easy. But difficult. Did you hear that? Very easy, but difficult. Verse 47. Told us to do three things. He who comes to me, and second, hears my sins, third, and does them. What very simple key to building a strong foundation against the time to come? Interesting. Whoever comes to me, First skill. Second skill, he has my sins. And third skill, does them. That word does is not the best word here. Can we get NIV? Maybe it would make it a little bit stronger. Yeah, see that? 
I'll show you what it's like. Who comes to me and hears my words and put them into practice. All right. So, there are three skills to build a strong, solid foundation for your life. To be able to stand against the storms of life. What are those three skills? Coming to Jesus. Second, hearing him. Third, let me prove to you that coming is an essential skill. Without coming to the Lord, you cannot live life to the full. Let's look at it. Let's go to Matthew 8, verse 1. Take a look. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Look at this verse. Oh, see that word? Behold what? A leper did what? Came and worshipped him. He was moving with the crowd, but that leper came. That's the greatest word for experiencing miracle and divine intervention. To come. Learning the art of coming. Let's go to verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion did what? Came. Coming is a skill you have to learn. Let's look at one more. Hebrews 11 verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, he who comes to God, I know that word is actually present continuous. For he who is coming to God, must believe that he is the reward. I mean, that's his skill of coming, like that's his skill of writing. The first time you went to school and write, it was like a hen moving on paper. Your hay looks like this. Your B look like now today you can write very well after practice. Coming. Help me ask your neighbor, do you know how to come to the Lord? Let's go to the book of Hosea, chapter six, verse one. Let us return to the Lord. For he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he bind us up. See, the, we can change and the Lord can turn things around in our life if you come. Nothing in life can outwit you when you come. But it must be a practice of coming. When you are small, you come to your dad, you come to your mom for your need. Don't you? Coming. When you don't learn to come to the Lord, you go to people too much. Some people come to church, they don't come to the Lord. So they look up to people to take care of them. They never know how to come to the Lord on their own. And it's a skill you have to develop. It's a skill you have to develop. You know, yesterday I had a visitor in my house, my grandchild. She came to the house with her mother to see us. She had not seen us for some time. So when she entered the house, she was looking around like that. Then suddenly, I walked in. She looked at me. I said, hey, come. Just run toward me. Because I look like a father. I'm a grandpa now. I said, come. I picked her up. She looked at me. She looked around. She's still looking around. She's not used to this place. So we are working toward coming for one week orientation, you know. Hang around here and spoil everything in the house. Then when you go, we we'll repair it. Right? <laughs> Come. You know, I open my hands. Come. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I've learned to come to the Lord. In my younger days, I used to lament a lot. I don't come to the Lord. I would go to the room and say, Lord, I don't understand why my life is like this. It's like as if I'm one mile away. So one night, it began like this. I said, Lord, tonight I am bombarding the gate of heaven. He said, my gate is not closed. Come through the door. Wow. Ah, those early days, I suffered some unnecessary suffering. I just stand by myself and I just, just wonder, I read the promises of God. They are not real in my life. And I just cry, Lord. The Lord said, come to me, all you who labor. And I heavy lady, what will I do? If you don't have rest, you don't come. And things will chase you. Go to your master. Come in. Master, how do I come? You come privately. Let me show you one coming. Matthew 18. You know the verse now. We all read it. Matthew 18, verse 19. You know this verse? Agreement on earth. 
But this verse doesn't work for us. You know why? Verse 20. For we are two or three are gathered together in my name. What is it? Ask your name. Are you gathered here with us in his name? Interesting. You know, it's very easy to sit down here and we gather ourselves in our names. Tunde Amosu. You come in. We gather in his name. So it's here. Do you see church as you are coming to the Lord? Ha! If you see church as coming when we gather, you come early. If you see that we are coming to the Lord, you not just come anyhow, you prayerfully come. I'm not saying you don't come late. But when you come late, you have to say you are coming late because you are going to go and meet the Lord. There's one verse they used to torment us those days. Prepare thyself to meet your God. Have you heard, have you heard a verse before? Have you heard that verse? It, it was helpful. Because we don't sing when we come to church. We don't just gather to have comedians. We are on the Mount of Zion. We are, on, and we are not on any mountain, Abi. We are on the Mount of Zion. We are on the Mount of Zion. Hallelujah. Come. Are you coming? Oh, there's something about my life I love. When something happened like this, and issues began to go on, and I don't understand, and I pick my Bible, and I enter my bedroom, and I close the door, and I come to him, unto whom all flesh will come. Praise God, somebody. Praise God, somebody. That presence is with you. But do you come? Learn the art of coming. Do you come? Eh, Pastor, it's the man of you think prayer. Prayer is not coming. You can pray to a God who is very far. But you come. That leper came and said, Lord. Prayer is not just mouthing words. Prayer is coming. Tell yourself, I will come to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What's the second skill you have to pick up? The skill of hearing. The greatest skill after learning to come to the Lord is to hear him. My sheep, what they do? Let's go. John chapter 10. Okay, yeah. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, please listen everybody. After coming to the Lord, it's so important to be attentive. Some of us over here, I feel sorry for us. You don't come here attentively. You come with your phone. Not to read the Bible. But to check Facebook. Who is talking to you? Your friend. How much can it change in your life? Who is WhatsApping you? Your partner. You will marry and live together and get bored of each other. Who are you WhatsApping? My boss. When you are sick on the bed, he can't help you. He will only give you sick leave. And then you come here like this and you are not attentive. No, not to pastor's voice, but to the voice of the Lord coming through whatever we are saying. Whether the song Ask Samuel. Samuel came. He had Samuel. Samuel. He jumped around to Eli. He said, Eli, are you calling me? The man said, I'm not calling you. He said, What? He went back to a lie down. He said, Samuel, Samuel. Jumped around to the man again. Are you calling me? He said, You're not calling me. Ah, tell me, Samuel. He said, No, no. Look like you know. So he went back and lie down again. Third time, Samuel, Samuel. He jumped around to Eli. Bible said, Eli perceived that the Lord is speaking to him. Can I ask you a question? Why did Samuel go to Eli when God was talking to him? Because this voice is so natural. Sounds like Eli. You know what you are waiting for? You are waiting for uh, my son. You are disobeying me. It was just natural. You think you're the one thinking? And now, see, this is the language he speaks. He has 66 alphabets. Genesis to Revelation. When you get used to this, you get used to his voice. 
Hallelujah. Listening to him. Reading attentively. Hearing attentively. Ah! Pastor, you mean all that text is that? Ah! We live in a noisy world today. Everything is ringing. Anybody here with me? Phone is ringing. Notifications, email, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger. It's talking, it's running, it's moving. You're checking it up. Notifications, 100. I check my email. It's 99. Nine. Every voice want to talk to you and say something, want to say something to you, you open your phone like this, you can see adverts without asking for them. It's calling. Something is calling. Recently, I had to go and buy a Bible like this at home to read so that I can leave the tablet because how many of you had this problem? Something you want to do on your phone. You open your phone like this and you forget. Anybody like that? Oh, it's the same disease now, rampant. It's an epidemic. So, I, I have to learn to really Really listen this day. My son, attend to my word. Incline my ears to my saying. I said, Lord, it's difficult. The Lord said, you know when you are going to school, you are listening. But you are not grown up. You don't listen anymore. If you never listen to the class, you won't be here today. Listening is so important. He said, listen. He said, come to me and hear me. Can I say this to you? You're going to have to pick your Bible and start reading attentively. And listen to a message attentively and don't be distracted sometimes because just one line, one thought, one phrase can change your life forever. I'm begging us, be attentive. And you know, this will help you even with your children, with your wife, with your friends. You can listen. Ah! I thank God over the years, He has helped me to listen. I can listen to my friend and know what they need. I can listen to my wife. I'm listening. What, how can I help? But that comes first of all by listening to the Lord. Listening to his word. Listening to his word. If you cannot listen in church like this well, you can hear God because he's three scriptures. Ask your neighbor, are you listening? Then finally, the third skill, practice. Practice. Do it. Struggle to. Now, when we say practice, practice means that it doesn't happen once. The day I saw this change my life, Luke 6, 38. Take a look at this verse. Give and it what? Now, that verse, is not that, that's not the way it is in the Greek language. This is what it says. Be giving. Ah, that changes everything. See, we think that's like, you give. And then, automatically, it's given to you. No, be giving. It's a practice. You have to pick up. Dr. Riba is here, doctors are here. When we were in medical school, I remember the first time they gave us to listen to Momo. I said, Momo. Say something Momo in your heart. So I put the thing on, put it over there. All I hear was tea, 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 tea. They said, listen closely. I listen closely. I only hear tea, 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 tea. And then the man said, don't you hear that thing soft? What soft? I didn't hear anything. Then we went to what they call auscultate. And you put your hands like this on the belly or something, you can find that thing. Huh? All I put my hands on is firm, solid flesh. And I have to be careful. I can't be caressing this woman now. I mean, they say you go soft. But doctors, over the years, by practice, they can pick that thing up by practice. Same thing with the word of God. It can't happen like that suddenly. Pastor, I tight. Instead of blessing, I saw problems. You have to practice it. Is that clear? Practice love. Practice believing. Are you hearing me? Those three things are the most essential skill for living supernaturally. First, learning to come. Even if I want to borrow money from Emmanuel, I must go to the Lord first. You know why? When I go to the Lord, he may say, don't go to him, go somewhere else. Ah, needless of banging our head and banging our head and banging our head when we learn to go to the Lord. And please, this is not pastor's job. This is all our life. Is that clear? Sounds so simple. I read one verse years ago. It said, and the Lord was with Joseph. Did you hear that? I said, Lord, how can I get you to be with me? Now, how can I get the Lord to be with me like that? I searched till one day I saw the verse, Philippians 4.9. Don't ever forget it. 
common sense. The things which you learned and received and had and saw in me, this put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Oh, simple. Whatever you are learning in church, whatever you are hearing, whatever you have seen yourself, just start practicing. The moment you start practicing that thing, the Lord will show up in your life. Whoa, clap your hands for the Lord on the glory. Praise God. That's why you don't see. See, see, see. Jesus was walking on the water. Peter said, Lord, if you are the one, ask me to come on the water. Did he ever walk on the water? But the moment he started to practice, the Lord met him there. Huh? Wow. Begin to practice. Begin to do what you are learning, what you are hearing, what you are saying. Do it. Do it. Do it. Don't say you're learning your notes. Do them. Practice them. Hallelujah. If you don't take time to practice, it won't happen. God won't be with you. So don't start praying. Lord, be with me. Lord, be with me. Lord, be with me. Lord, be with me. Leave that prayer out. Just do. Just do. And as you do, the God of peace will be with you. Is that clear? Just like reading, writing, arithmetics. This is a skill that you will never without in the kingdom of God. Is that clear? You come to him as unto a living stone discarded by men but precious like Peter said to us. And then you listen. Particularly first of all in this book. Jesus himself went around with this book. One time I was telling some young ministers yesterday these guys were walking on the road and they were distressed and sad because Jesus died. They couldn't make many out of their lives and they couldn't make many of their future and their career. And they were going sad. One of them was called Cleopas. Second one was nameless. As they were walking, Jesus joined them. Let's hear his voice. As he joined them, he said, what are you worrying about? They said, don't you know? He said, no what? He said, about Jesus. Can you imagine? Jesus was very interesting. Discussing about him and asking. Oh, they said, we thought he was going to be our redeemer, our savior, but now he's dead. And some women had some things in their head. They said that they saw him. And he said, listen to this. I, I love this. He said, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe. Bible said, and out of Moses and the prophet, he began to expand things about himself to them. I wish I was there that day. Just going with him. And then he started explaining. He's just taking the Bible to explain what is going on, the event in their lives. Ah! This is my greatest treasure in life, that when I'm going through things, and I pick up my Bible, and I see exactly what is transpiring. There's nothing like it in the world. Oh, one time, I just lost money in investment years ago. I just lost money. And I was thinking, God, man, I lost that money. God said, what's that to you? I said, what? He said, uh-huh. He said, I will repay you. I said, Lord, can you explain for better? He said, okay, so you don't get that from the Bible. Let's get it from life. He said, let's go to football. I said, all right, I understand that. He said, when, you, when they score against you, what do you do next? He said, the moment they score against you, you are now at advantage to start the game yourself. Clap your hands for Jesus, somebody. Whoa, whoa. He said, he said now, see, the moment you lose like this, the opponent cannot hold the ball anymore. The ball is given to you to the center to start the game on your side. That's not true. That's not true. Wow! I scream. I said, Fire! If I lose now, I gain. An advantage. Praise God, somebody. Ah, everything in life. I'm, I'm some jam, some, I bring some serious jam like this. Just, 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 just clear. Just look at this word and make it clear. There's nothing like that in the world. Tell your neighbor, let's have that skill of coming, of hearing, and of doing. And do it again, and do it again, and do it again. And one of these days, you be called a maestro. You call maestro? A maestro is an artist who is at his best of his skills. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we blessed today? Let's give thanks to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Bible. Okay, do you see this verse? Now that's English you are reading. You write from the beginning to the end. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul tests for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. That is English language. But this is Hebrew reading. Oh, where there is no water. Where is 
dry and thirsty. My flesh longs for you. And so my soul tests for you. Therefore, I will seek you early, for you are my God. Did you get that sense? Psalm 23, verse 1. This way they read it in Hebrew. I shall not want because the Lord is my shepherd. Now, we think like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Did you see the difference? Did you get it? Are you still here? All right. So, in the Hebrew language that God ordained in a way, because it's God's people's language, life is lived backward. You look at what is, and then you live from there, there. Some of these success people tapped into it like uh, Stephen Covey and Co. And you see, you live your life backward. Look at, at the end of your life and live from there, here. Praise God. Is that clear? Now, I also ask myself, what is the scheme of work? What is syllabus? It's to help you live life backward, to know where you are going. Is that, did you get that? All right. Now, you have heard church people saying you have to serve God. You have to serve God. So, I need a scheme of work. I need a syllabus about serving God in life. Are you hearing me, everybody here? Say that one more time. For me to serve God creditably, I don't want to get to heaven. I find I'll just serve him and, 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 and I didn't do it quite well. Praise God. So I need to have a heaven syllabus of serving God so that every week I can actually measure my progress. That's why I departed from just doing ministry. See, lots of us are to become famous. We, we, I didn't go to because I want to do ministry. I didn't go to ministry because I wanted to make impact. No, I came to ministry because I saw the glory of the New Testament and, and the beauty of Jesus Christ. And, and that, that's my goal. I don't really see things about becoming famous and cool. I'm an introvert. I like to be by myself. I'm okay. Praise God. <laughs> I don't need anything. I don't need any fame or all or power or something. I just want to please the master. Now, the scheme of work you require in serving God so that when you arrive in heaven, which you will one day, Pastor, that's a long time to come. Bible says, what is your life? It's a shadow that exists for a little time. Remember primary school? It's like a shadow now. Am I correct? Okay. So I asked myself, Lord, can you give me a scheme of work so that I know what to do and I do them in different ways you want me to do them? I cracked my head for years. Because it can be very confusing when you go to church. Just say, serve God, serve God, serve God, serve God. How do you serve God? Then God gave me a picture of his place of service called the temple or the tabernacle. Now, God gave Israel, please, are we here, everybody? God gave Israel the tabernacle. What did he give them? The tabernacle. And that tabernacle has three compartments. Follow me like this. There is the outer court. Then there is the holy place. There is the most holy place. You remember that? You remember that? That is the place of service. So certain works are done in the outer court. Certain works are done in the holy place. Certain work is done in the most holy place. You can see, the Bible says we are the temple of God. We are the what? The temple of God, right? So, what work we will offer in being that kind of three compartment too? Are you hearing me? That kind of three. So, there's the work that we offer the most. I was not told that clearly. And I was trying to find out. So, if you are the, 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 the temple of God and serving God, there must be the outer court work. There must be the holy place work. There's the most holy place work. Now, this most holy place gives the tabernacle is many. If you uproot that most holy place, the rest of the work is useless. Do we get that? Now, let's go to 25th Matthew. Jesus gave us three parables that describe our work with him until he comes. Verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. That's the first parable. Second parable, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servant and delivered his goods or the story of the talent. Look at verse 415. And to one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one one. Are we here, everybody? Are we here, everybody? What's the first parable? Ten virgins. What's the second parable? 
the talent. Let's look at the third parable, verse 31. This is the third parable. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Next verse. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goat. Now, anybody, anybody who is reading that with a Jewish mind will have an insight into this. Are you listening, everybody? He gave them... when you read that story with the Jewish man, you'll be amazed. You know, he said, the, that's the, 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 this is the outer court. You see, the, the first one is what? The parable of the ten virgins. The next one was parable of the talent. The next one is the parable of the sheep and the goats. Remember that? Remember that? See, Jesus was describing the levels of our work and service to him that we must be offering as Christians. And he was giving us, now listen very carefully. You see, usually... They bring sheep and goat into that outer court to offer them. They don't go beyond that. The sheep and goat is there. Are you listening? Now, when you enter into the holy place, you find table made with gold. Hello? You find all the incense. You have the lamp made with gold. Thanks, so we have that. Then you go to the most holy place. There's a lamp. There's a Shekinah light burning there. It's the, the kind of glory of God. See those three parables, the day I saw it, it blessed my life. So I'm no, more, I'm no longer confused how to serve God now. I know what to serve God now. And I can measure my progress every week. First, I must serve God in the outer court, sheep and goat. Then I must serve God with my talent. That's the holy place. Then the parable of the ten virgins is what the most holy work you can ever do. Did you get what I just said? One more time. See, there's the sheep and the goat out there. Then there's the parable of talent here. Then there's the parable of what? The ten virgins here. You can measure your progress and see how you are doing so that when you get to heaven, you will not be surprised because God has his record for him. He built upon that tabernacle. What's the first one? Let's start from the outer court. What's the first part of your work you need to do? The outer work, everybody can see. He said, when I was hungry, you feed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. That's the work of the outer court. All of us will be engaged in that as the sheep offered to God. Is that clear? Is that clear? So that you can do every week. You can ask yourself, who can I feed this week? Who can I... Give some thirst, water to who can I clothe? Who can I visit? Who can I see? That is my work I need to do. That's the that's the work out there. And I can measure that using my physical food, clothes to touch life. Is that clear? And God will measure when you get to heaven, say put the sheep and the goat on this side. Then the second one here is what? The parable of the talent. The, what God has invested in your life as gifts, as resources, your gift in church. Hello? God has given everybody here gifts to serve him with among his people. Hello? See, that's our work toward the whole world. Then the Bible said that when you come to the holy place, only the priest entered here. God's going to ask you, the gift and talent I endow you with, is it giving? Is it praying? Is it teaching? Is it visiting or hospitality? Whatever I've given you, I'm going to ask you at this level and I'm going to give you reward as a child of God. Praise God somebody. So if I come to church and among God's people, I don't do anything beyond sheep and goat, I've not done quite so much well. That's just 30 fold there. The 60 fold must come and I must go higher. I must serve God. It's easier to just give food. It's easier to just give money. But I must also dig down deep within me and find my talent. Am I teaching? Am I praying? Am I giving? What am I going to do to contribute to the kingdom of God in the midst of his people? I must do that. If I don't do that, I can give all my food to the poor, but I don't have such a weight of talent of gold. You cannot compare food to gold, talent. It's a higher ground. But you cannot say, because I'm doing talent, I can't do that one. It, the whole house must be complete. Is that clear? So, one more time, there is what I do to humanity. Feed, clothe, visit, touch, help, right? 
Then does this one are used in the house of God among God's people? I must say, Pastor, uh, I'm serving God among His people. God put you in a local church to touch people's life and serving with gift and talent. I'm going to ask you what you do with it. Not because of pastors talking about it, but because he has already endowed you with it. It's going to demand from you. Do you go through the discipline and the training to get that job done? Do you increase more about it? And you know what? You're either living life well or don't live life well depends on that. So it's not just because it's my choice to serve in church. I'm not serving church. You serve in tabernacle there in the holy place. Now, listen everybody. This is where I'm going. I'm going to round up here. It's good to give food. It's good to use your talent, but it has no relevance if you don't do the holy, the most holy work of your life. Now, what's the most holy work of your life? What's the most holy work you can offer God? Not singing the choir, not preaching and teaching, not giving food to the hungry. The most holy work that will make all other work holy is this. 25th Matthew, verse 1, the parable of the ten virgins. Let's look at it. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. Huh? Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lambs. What happened next? But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And what happened next? And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Next verse. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. What happened to them next? And the foolish said to the wife, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Now you can share here. Is this not food you can give to the hungry? Bread, you can do that. You can share that. You can share, ta- you can, you can share talent. You can share food. But you can share this one. But the wife answered and said, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Next verse. But, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. She, she, and that after they came and said, Lord, open, open to us. What did he say next? But he answered and said, I sure I said to you, I don't know you. We, we're not familiar. We're not on good terms. Now, what's the meaning of that? Your first work, your holy, your most holy work is not to just give food to the hungry or to use your talent in church. Your most holy work is to be ready and have your lamps burning. It's to be spiritually vibrant and alive to God. If you're not vibrant and alive to God, you can give all the food, you can be nice in church, you do your gift. It doesn't mean so much because you don't want to have a chance to see him. And you know what? Now, this is the big deal. It's costly to have oil. You just can't come to church and drag yourself along and think you're going to grow spiritually. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. You don't want something cheap? No work here. The most holy place is the highest place. It's the highest price. And if you don't pay that, the rest doesn't make any sense. You can come to church. Everybody likes you. You serve. You do things. you out there in the world. That's fine. But it's your lamp bunny. Are you ready for the master? You see, you see, you see he got oil. Are you, are you filled? You see, that lamp must be burning and you must be pouring oil into it. What's the oil? You pay for it. You take the time to grow, to come to church and pay spiritual price, buy books. You have to spend money and spend time. So as we just coast along. Particularly those of us who are really grown up in the for some time, you get to the point, you just peak. You can go further. All you know is all you know. That's spiritual idiocy. That's what happened to them. They've got a place, they just got enough. And they were going on. You know, I told myself, whatever it will cost me, I'm going to have excess in life spiritually. I'm not going to do all that crap. That's why you don't see me do that. It's costly to grow. It's costly to move with God. It's costly to live on and be vibrant. It's costly to sense the Lord and be ready for him. And always catch every opportunity. It takes time. You have to take that as the highest thing you have to do with your life. You're going to have to find time for the Lord. If you don't, everything else won't make any sense as much. So, your first walk, that's why, you know, Jesus went to the house of Martha and Mary. Martha was busy cooking, right? Busy cooking for Jesus, right? That's what outer court work. And it's important. We have to feed Jesus. But then Mary went to his feet in the most holy walk and sat down there and hearing him. And while he was hearing him, Martha said, Jesus, why, why, why are you acting like this? Come on, come on, come on. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, relax. 
You are busy about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that path. If you don't have that oil, when the time of need comes, you'll be confused and be fooled. Remember, when their brother died, who was confused? Martha. See, her oil was not burning. She was not at the feet of the master. See, when Jesus came through the door, you know what she did? She went to Jesus. I could imagine how she stood. It was like this, I'm akimbo. That's where you walk in the kitchen. I'm akimbo. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But anyway, whatever you ask God, he will do it for you. She could talk all those languages of Zion, but there's no power in it. And suddenly, Jesus said, your brother will rise again. He said, oh, I know that theory in the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the life resurrection. Do you believe this? He said, I believe you are the savior. That's what I'm saved. Praise God. You are the savior of the world. And you know what? She couldn't proceed further. She had not paid the price. She stopped and went to Mary. And so Mary came. You know what Mary did first? She's not standing like what? She fell at Jesus' feet, the most holy walk. When she fell down there, he said, my brother, what, Lord, if you have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Because they were not arguing theology now. There's experience of oil flowing between Jesus and her. Jesus said, ah, where do you lay him? And for the first time, Jesus started weeping. You see, something, something was between them and the Lord. I'm a few of you here, the Lord is not moved as much as you are moved because you are not together. Oh, huh? I mean, if you open tomorrow obituary on paper and see one name somewhere, do you cry? But if it's your uncle that you are close to, won't you cry? So, are you? See, that's why I put emphasis on spiritual growth. My first thing, I'm just a mad guy. He said, if you don't come from maturity school, you cannot, you cannot serve God. It's not because of me. The most holy work, if you don't do it, everything else is useless. And I know pastors like that. Pastors, they travel around the world. They are preaching, but their spiritual life is dry. Their lamp is burning out. Like you're serving. They're on TV, they're on radio. They're on everywhere. Household name. But they have a name, but they are dead spiritually. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to have a lamp that is not burning. I don't want to. I don't want to stagger around in the dark. I don't want to hear Jesus saying, Who goes there? I stone there also. Where are you coming from? I don't know you. I'm not familiar with you. We never spent time together. Oh, Lord, I was having you. I gave my brethren food. Food for the belly and belly for the food. Both of them were destroyed. I used my talent. Praise God. Thank you very much. But what about me, my Savior? Your Savior. You have time for me? Are you, growing, are you buying the oil? The trouble is that you can't buy the oil when you, are, when you need it. You can't buy that time. Kukushua said, if you wait to develop your faith when you are in crisis, it may never grow. It's when it's okay like this, you need to grow and pay the price. I struggle every day. I wake up every day to grow and know God and go further in my faith. I can't afford. Not because I'm a pastor. I can't care less if I'm a pastor. In fact, I want service to open, to finish so I can go to the Lord. I don't care about ministry as much as I care about the master. So it's important for us here this morning. If you're hearing the voice of your master this morning, the bridegroom is coming. And you know what? You need extra oil. Are you having that extra oil? Let us pray. And say, Father, I pray for that extra oil. Help me to buy. Help me to spend my time and my money to get rid of spiritual things. Help me to invest in my spiritual life. Help me to do the most holy work of seeking you in prayer and in scriptures and in growth and in learning and going after you. David said, oh my God, you are my God. Only will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. Are you longing for God? Say, Lord, this morning, your first, the first work is what to long for you. Your first love is to long for Jesus and wait for the master in your life and meet him in the private part of your life. Say, Lord, this morning, help me. I know there's so much in life, hustle, bustle of life. There's so much to spend. There's so much to do. But help me to spend for my spiritual life. Help me to invest in my spiritual life. Help me to find you. He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Seek ye the Lord. I don't know your spiritual life. I don't know, but you know it and the Lord knows it. You say, Lord, I just want to know you more. It's my heart obsession. 
Iskandar. You know, I don't, I don't know about you. Sometimes I can give money to people, but that money is gone. Okay, you give them clothes, that's finished. You can keep on feeding the world forever with everything you got. You'll never be enough. You can serve in church. That's right. But where do you find satisfaction? In my younger days, I'll go preach in churches. They'll get blessed. I will leave the hall. My heart crying out for God. I'll just be satisfied. Things will happen. Blessings will come. But I just, 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 just thought. And I'll go back home feeling funny. Then I, I never knew it was my flesh longing for God. Not just for ministry. It was my soul cry out and thirsty. Like when you are thirsty, see, minutes ago, my voice was thirsty, was dry. I had to drink water. So, instead of running around the whole world to change the world, I began to see that the only way I can be changed is by looking at him. That's the only way I find out. So what do I do? Sometimes those days, I go preach like this and preach for hours, like yesterday. I preached three times yesterday. Then other time I won't have place to preach. The Lord said, spend time with me. I had a great man of God in this country. He said, he spent about three months with the Lord. Not going anywhere. If you look at Jesus, can I close? Oh God. Luke 5, 15. However, this Jesus, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him. See, see, great multitude. What did Jesus do? Look at next verse. So he himself often withdrew. You know, the crowds were gathering. People were showing up in the meetings. And Christ would pick his Bible and run into the bush. Run into the wilderness often. Because you know what? Ask all those Hollywood artists. Ask all those actors and actresses. Ask all those singers. When you come on the stage and sing and woo people, something gets dry in you. That's why they sleep around. That's why they smoke hemp. That's why they drink, they drink cocaine and all that kind of thing. Because something's longing in them for something. They can't find it in the land of the living. So they want to go on high or something. But you can't find it there. You go to the most high to find it. Praise God somebody. So right now, you can always get high with the most high. Lift your hands. I'm in love with you, Jesus. First thing, I'm in love with you. I'm not in love with my work. With my family first, with my career first. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. Can we sing some more songs?